Well, welcome to Christ Church Vision Sunday. It's great to have you with us. Uh, for those of you that are new, my name is Ryan, and I am the rector here, or pastor, if you're more familiar with that terminology. Uh, but we are very stoked for this day. We've got a good day ahead, don't we? Um, as we speak, our succulent pig is roasting over the fire in preparation for us. Uh, apologies to all vegetarians in the room. Um, and in case you're wondering how many men it takes to oversee a cooking pig, I think there's at least three men, three grown men, sitting there watching it. Turn slowly. Um, but even more importantly than our time of kind of feasting and fellowship this afternoon, we want to take some time to talk about vision here this Sunday um, as a group. That Vision Sunday is a time to kind of recenter on who we are and what we are about. And the answer to those two questions is ultimately summed up in our name. We are Christ's church, which means this church is for Christ. And it's all about Christ, that we are followers of Jesus, which means Jesus' way is our way. That's what we're signing up for. It's not just a religious organization. It's not a social club. We are showing up to follow the person of Jesus and to trust in the works of Jesus. Amen? So what that means for us then is that Jesus is our cornerstone. He's the one that we're putting our hope in, our trust into. He's the solid rock, to use that term, that we're trying to build our lives upon in our search for stability, for salvation, for confidence. We find that that is satisfied in Jesus, individually, but also as a collective community. And that, that defines our values our convictions that we live for publicly in the world. Now, the way we like to describe, though, how our church works is that we are built on Jesus, the cornerstone, and then we have five main priorities, five S's of Christ's church, and you'll see them on our webpage, on our backdrop when you walk in, and on our screen here. What those five S's of Christ's church are is that we are devoted to the scriptures, to the sacraments, to the supernatural, to the sacrificial, and to salvations. That these are our five things that we are focused on of how we stay on Jesus. Because the scriptures for us are where we go to be taught by Jesus directly. That it's the divinely inspired word of God which means the Old Testament is all prophesying about Jesus and the New Testament is all about what is fulfilled in Jesus. So we are a Bible-loving people, aren't we? And it's because of Jesus that we're not afraid of their sticky points. We're not intimidated by the difficult passages to translate because Jesus is the one that makes it clear and applicable, and available to us. So we 
are taught by Jesus in the Scriptures and in the sacraments, like the Lord's table, communion, we are united to Jesus. We're not just here for good information about Jesus, are we? We're here for participation with Jesus. So everything that Jesus is, everything that Jesus accomplishes, is available for us to experience today. To be united to that. For that to become a part of who we are as individuals and as a community. So we want to hear the truth about Jesus in the Scriptures, and then we want to meet that same Jesus in the sacraments. Next, we're a supernatural community. That means we are looking for those experiences with Jesus through His people. Whether that's in the music that's played, or simple interactions that you're having with somebody else, in the church, or being prayed for, or the ministry that's taking place in our kids' ministry. All of these places are opportunities to experience the real presence and power of Jesus in His people. So we're all in this together, aren't we? This isn't a show that you show up for and say, entertain me. This is where we learn diligently about Jesus We receive Him wholeheartedly with faith. And then we join Him in doing the ministry as a collective group sharing in that work together. As we experience Christ, what that leads to is we become a sacrificial people. Which means when your needs are satisfied, when your deepest longings are fulfilled, when you've tasted real Life, eternal life. It makes you want to live generously. It makes you want to give it away to other people, doesn't it? And so it's the natural outflowing of having found Jesus, been saved by Jesus, participating in Jesus, that we then worship exuberantly. We express the satisfaction we found in Jesus in our generosity whether that's caring for one another, whether that's financial giving, whether that is letting loose in song, being generous with your emotions towards God. Do you see how that might implicate how you live your life? Learning to be emotionally generous towards God then leads you to be emotionally generous towards your neighbor maybe? more present, more alive in those relationships? This isn't a sermon about worship, but it's tempting. As we reorient vertically, we reorient horizontally. It's a taste of full life salvation. And then the last S is salvations. What we mean by this is that Not only have we received Jesus and are learning about Jesus and are participating in Jesus and worshiping Jesus, but we're on mission with Jesus. He's at work in the world right now. He's doing things in the world. He's loving people, finding people, bringing people in, in the places that we could never reach. Jesus is there working. And so we genuinely want others to know that Jesus works, don't we? 
Now, there's lots of ways you can do evangelism and outreach. And these are the Christian words we throw around a lot. But I honestly believe that that work of proclaiming Jesus to the world should be the most authentic thing to us. Not because we're trying to get people to join our club. Not because this is a multi-level marketing system. But because we genuinely have found what we see our friends looking for. Right? It's just authentic to say, Jesus has worked for me. I think Jesus works for what you're talking about. What you're wrestling with. And so that's what we want to be. We, and that's how you build a church. Is that when we are built on the cornerstone and we have these five things as our priority in our gatherings and in our life together, you end up with a church. This is what a church should look like. Shouldn't it? Doesn't it just kind of make sense? Instead of church being trying to find some trick to get people to come to it, Jesus is the reason for it. And Jesus is wonderfully fantastic. And Jesus is worth giving away. Yes? So this is, this is our vision. This is our core vision. Now, when we do a vision gathering like this, it's, it's a reminder of what our kind of fundamentals are, which is this. But also, it's a time to say, what's the vision in this next year? How do we walk that out together? What are we kind of re-signing up for as a community? And so what I want to talk about today is a vision for church growth. But let me explain some things. Our definition or vision for church growth is not numerical growth. Hear me clearly on that. That is not our primary objective. You're actually probably going to hear from me over the next year, me going, shh, stop telling people. What we mean by church growth is this, and yes, I mean you, Hillary. For us, church growth is growth as disciples of Jesus. We're talking about a deepening of our discipleship. Now, St. John talks about what the progression of growth looks like and defines it with three different stages from that passage of Scripture that we read from the New Testament today. So we're going to look at the 1 John chapter 2 text today. This is how the early apostles, apostles, sorry, Describe growth. That growth is about discipleship. And he uses family language to describe it. And he has three stages of growth. The first is the child stage. The second is the youth stage. And the third is the parent. Now let me just preface something here. This does not mean age. These stages of growth are spiritual growth not physical development. And so you, we all could be at different stages and it doesn't matter how old you are. You could be coming here today and going, 
the thing I think I'm needing to grow in spiritually is that first stage. So it, it, it doesn't necessarily equate to life experience. We're talking about spiritual maturity, spiritual growth. And I think for a lot of us Christians, what we find is that, and I think we find this developmentally, as people as well who've grown up, is you realize, oh, I grew through these stages, my teen years, for example, but I feel like I didn't learn the things I needed to learn in those stages. You ever felt that? There's things I'm going through right now. I've talked a lot about this with my wife of going, I realized this is a developmental thing I needed in my like 12 to 16-year-old stage that nobody ever taught me. And now as an adult who's about to turn 40, I'm realizing I'm underdeveloped in this area. And I need to develop it if I'm going to be healthy for the next 40 years of my life. Anyone felt that? So don't see these as categories to go, well, I missed my chance at that one i got to just move on. Here what we're seeing is a path of spiritual growth and development. So the first stage that John talks about is the child stage. He says this, I'm writing to you little children because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. And then he says it again. This is the way John writes in all of his writings. He does circular things. He says the same thing again. I write to you children because you know the Father. So this language of literal children, it's firstly, it's affectionate. This is the father of the faith. St. John, the apostle, the beloved of Jesus, who's speaking to churches that he's loved and served in their growth, and he's calling them his children. It's fathering. But it's also... I think in our individualistic culture, we tend to see those things as maybe potentially demeaning. Who are you to call me a child? But really, he's elevating it. Because Jesus teaches about this stage as essential for salvation. Think about Matthew 18, which we'll get to in our Matthew studies in 2030. Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus elevates this stage as primary and essential. Because this is the stage that you would build the rest of your spiritual life on. This is where Christians get that language of being born again is that every person who finds Jesus needs to become a child again. Needs to become a dependent. They need to relearn who they are from the ground up, or what we could say is from the inside out. That you're no longer defined by the flesh of where you came from, your family of origin, or what's happened to you in your life, or what you have done. You're no longer defined by fallenness or sinfulness, being born into a broken world. You're defined instead by perfect love. So the picture here of becoming a child is going back to the very source of your origin and being born out of God, out of Christ, as a new you 
saved from sin. It's being born of salvation. And what it does is it moves you from living like an orphan in this vast universe, alone, struggling, toiling to provide for yourself, trying to better yourself through effort, stuck in this system where you're the only resource that has to make everything happen in your life. That's the nature of spiritual orphanhood. Where now you're born, recreated as one who is adopted. One who's a beloved child of the Creator who calls himself Father, who has saved you, who has come for you to save you, knowing in the depth of your being that John says your sins are forgiven and that you know the Father. So these are these two fundamentals. To know you're saved, you're rescued from the power and impact of sin, And you're known by a loving Father. Which means it sets you up then for a perfect new upbringing. New development that's primarily and fundamentally spiritual. So that's how the early church talks about the Christian life. Is that everybody, no matter how rich or how old or how successful or how screwed up or how messy their life is, Everybody starts with a new birth where your inner life like almost takes its first breath and goes, I'm in the presence of love. I'm saved from sin and learning to live from that place inside of you. It's a completely different way of living rather than toil, desperation, and survival. Isn't that wild? So this is what John says. That this is the first stage. Be reborn. Embrace the child heart that's learning to depend on the Father and learning to grow up into maturity. So if our church is going to care about that, how do you care for infants? Do you kind of just have them in the house and trust that they're going to find their own way? It's a a nurturing process, isn't it? You care for that child. Because as they are learning their dependence, they're dependent. Which means they have to be cared for. Which means there needs to be systems in place to care for that child. Right? The church too often has said, come, find Jesus Be born again. Take on the heart of faith like a child. And figure it out on your own. Come to church. Be around. You'll get there eventually. Hopefully. And then what? If you don't and you mess up and you maybe don't develop at the rate they expect you to do, what do they they discipline you? Doesn't seem kind of odd. So here's what the church has done for thousands of years is they've created a path for that internal development and cultivation. Where the child can be safe in heart 
in the presence of the Father and grow into all the benefits and the resources that are available in his household. So for us as a church, the way we prioritize that stage of growth is called pilgrimage in the way. That's the place where your story that you came in with before Jesus is retold in Jesus. And there's three priorities to the pilgrimage in the way journey. So what this looks like is it starts the end of September, ends mid-May. I think it's September 25th to May 11th. And what this looks like is taking all the specifics of Jesus and pairing them up with all the specifics of you. So all the greatest things that Jesus has accomplished paired up with all your greatest needs that you've been trying to find fulfillment for. And so it's this journey of learning to be able to depend upon a safe God, learning how to receive what the Father has provided for you in Jesus, and finding your true self in that new birth and in that development. Doesn't that sound like something we as a church would want to serve and support in other people? So this is why we keep it central, why we do it every year, why we re-communicate It's because we want to help you find the most important parts of Jesus and how they help the most important parts of you. So here's how that looks. We do one hour of teaching through video a week, so that's sent to you, and you can do it on your own time. Or you can gather a small group of people to do it with together. We watch the video. We give you a workbook. Did you get that for me? That has all of the classes in it, the main truths that are being communicated, paired up with the needs in your life that those things need to get connected to. And then once a week on Sunday afternoon, we do a Zoom group discussion where we work out, we help you connect those big things about Jesus with the big things about you. And then from there, we meet every six weeks or so in person. So this is what the practicing, the way workbook and journal looks like. Jackie and I just wrapped that up this week. This is like hundreds and hundreds of hours of work. No joke. Over a decade. We're, we're, we're trying to get better at it every year we do it. But everything would be in here where you would catalog your story as you walk through the way of Jesus. Okay? So for those of you who fall into that stage where you go, look, maybe I'm new to Jesus. Maybe I've been following, trying to follow Jesus for a lot of years, but I feel like I'm missing some fundamentals. Maybe you're just new to Christ's church. You want to get in on this, and you want to sign up for that today. This is the main stuff that we do. Sunday gives you Jesus big, but the long, deep journey we have to do outside of Sunday. And so that's where we do that. Now, the second stage that John talks about is this like youthful stage. This stage is about energy which I don't have any of anymore. I'm just teasing. I just feel the dichotomy. Some days I'm energized. Some days I just want to sit in a rocking chair on the front porch and never talk to anybody ever again. 
Here's how John talks about it. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the Word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. Now see past the cultural language of the time. It's common in that time to use masculine language to refer to everybody. I know we're uncomfortable with that today, but let's look back or over that cultural tendency. Here we see John say, I'm writing to you, young people, in the spiritual journey, because you've done this. You've overcome the evil one. Interesting language. It goes, he says it again, the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. So here's this progression of faith. Learning that childlike dependence on the work of God and then moving to this place of strength of overcoming the evil one. First, you were redeemed by Jesus from the evil one. And you're, it's like you're being restored to your homeland. You have this new sense of identity that you know who you are. You know that you've been saved. These internal truths have happened to you. You've been reborn in heart, and you have these endless resources from the Father, but now you're coming home to a mess. Your homeland has been ravaged and destroyed and attacked by evil. Now you have to take that inner reality and put it to work to renew the world around you, the home that you come from. It's this movement of going, what I received in my heart from Jesus the rest of my life needs to experience the salvation of Jesus. And this is where we rarely in the church give clear paths of progression. Where we go, I know I'm saved and I know I'm loved, but then my life keeps being a mess. And I have no idea how to fix these things. So I just use the old ways of thinking to try to fix them while I'm trying to keep believing that I'm loved and saved by Jesus. Ever felt that? I'm using all the old tools I used to use, but I'm trying to now do it in the name of Jesus. I know I'm saved by Jesus in my heart, but I'm going to work really hard to try and fix everything else in my own strength. We need a path for redemption for the areas of our lives. Because they need to receive the salvation of Jesus. So here's the movement that we see that John gets at. This idea of overcoming the evil one. That first stage of growth in the way of Jesus is very passive. We're active in our reception of what God accomplishes for us. That's that first stage. We're actively trusting Him, but we're not doing a lot of the saving work, are we? Do we die on the cross for our own sins? Do we resurrect from the grave by our own power and strength? Some of you do. Do you? No, you don't. Who does that? Jesus does the work, doesn't he? Now, though, we're moving into a stage here. This next stage is from the way of Jesus where we actively participate with agency in the redemption of our own lives. To the degree that St. John says that we overcome
overcome the evil one. We share in the victory because we're doing part of the work. So Jesus overcomes the evil one to save us. It is life, death, resurrection, and ascension. Yes? Then Jesus wants to work with us to overcome the evil one in our lives. Is that good news? So the work doesn't just do an internal thing. The way of Jesus wants to work from in that place to the outward places. So this year we want to launch a path for that called Pilgrimage from the Way. And this would be for those who have done the Pilgrimage in the Way journey and are ready now for those next steps and stages to say, let's overcome the evil one in the way of Jesus. All the impact of my life where the evil ones got in there, where he broke my heart first and then broke my life, Jesus has mended my heart and now Jesus wants to work with me, involve me in mending my life. Isn't that beautiful? So here's, here's how we want to do that. Now, we are going to do four workshops this year with four different distinct topics. November 4th, we're going to do a workshop on spiritual practices. So that's strengthening that inner self so you have a fuel to do that outward work. So what we're going to cover in that workshop is again reinforce your union with Christ. We're going to teach through the daily office, which is the Book of Common Prayer, and how to use that for your daily devotional life. We're going to teach you about Lectio Divina, which is how to read the scriptures spiritually. We're going to talk about Sabbath, hospitality, and Lord willing, you would come out of that workshop with a rule of life. A rule of life is a rhythm based on your highest values and priorities that you would seek to live out your life as. So you would have an intentional kind of map of how you want to live given the different unique responsi uh, responsibilities you have in your life. I can't do all this now. I've got to go quicker. The second one is May 25th, where we will do a workshop on human sexuality in the way of Jesus. So in this, we'll lay a whole theological foundation and structure to go. How does the scriptures talk about this? How does the way of Jesus make this possible? How do I walk my unique journey in that area? Okay, it'll cover the need for human intimacy, attraction, consent, the importance of friendship. We will talk about LGBTIQ plus A communities and all of those different things that are coming out into our world today going, this is actually what's going on inside of me. These are my needs. These are my desires. These are what I deal with every day. This is how I understand myself. And then we're going to say, okay, then let's talk about how the way of Jesus works in that. How do you find that true, full expression of who you are in the way of Jesus? Thirdly, December 2nd. Oh, I got these wrong. What happened here? I put the numbers in the wrong... Are they right up there? No, they're wrong. Okay, this is wrong. November 4th and then December 2nd. I'm so sorry. December 2nd is physical body. 
Okay, so we'll go spiritual practices, then we'll do physical body. Here we'll lay a full, again, theological foundation of how to understand who you are as a physical person. We'll cover gender, transgender, body image, sleep, strength, food, illness, dysmorphias. We'll talk a little bit about made and abortion. Talk about self-harm. These are all things that end up being these Christian talking points. But they aren't grounded in the way of Jesus to be best understood how they're made possible. Okay? So, so we'll do spiritual practices, physical body, sexuality, and then June 15th we'll do a workshop on marriage. Now in that, we'll cover all the basics. Marriage is a miracle that's fundamentally accomplished by God. The marriage story, how your marriage story needs to be caught up into Jesus' life. We'll talk about how walking two individual journeys as followers of Jesus works together in marriage. We'll talk about conflict, emotional intimacy, sex, and children. So we'll, here's what you have to understand about these workshops. They're not going to cover everything all in one day despite the fact that it looks like it's going to. What we're going to do as a community is we're going to start the work on these areas. I was thinking about this morning. My prayer for this is that five years from now, all of these workshops will be taught by different people who actually live these experiences. My job is to train you how the way of Jesus works for them. But each one of you has a unique life that you're walking out that actually deals with these things. And my hope is to serve you that you become the clear voice on how Jesus works based on your unique story. That's my hope for the future. And in five years, these would be running every year, but you would be teaching them. And I'd be supporting you. Now, the last one, i got to wrap up. So here you can get the picture. We want to give people a clear path into that in the way of Jesus. We want to give a clear path of how we're going to walk together as a community from the way of Jesus for life's big questions. And then thirdly is this other group, the parents. Here's how John talks about it. I'm writing to you fathers and mothers because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you fathers and mothers because you know him who is from the beginning. What's his point? You've been born again. You've fought your battles. And now you play a special role in the community where you bear witness to his sufficiency. You don't get riled up or afraid or overwhelmed by the problems of today because they're not your problems. You feel like, I've done my fights, but now my job is to go, Jesus was faithful through my story. He, I was born again in Him. He triumphed over the evil one. And now I sit in this place of confidence to go, yeah, the world rages. Storms come. Hardships are there. But He doesn't move. He's been there from the beginning. He'll be there as a constant through your difficulty. And he'll be there when it's all over. And as the days of this life come to a close, 
I will be with him forever. That kind of stability. But here's the thing. The church needs all of those spiritual levels of maturity. We need people growing in the fundamentals. We need people taking on the evil of this day and seeing Jesus overcome it. And we need those to just hold constant, stable, and consistent, saying to those who are battle-weary on the front lines, it's okay. Jesus is going to be enough for you. And so here's this beautiful picture of the generations of spiritual maturity working together. That the frontline work isn't the only essential work. But resourcing, healing, caring for, feeding and clothing and refreshing those who are on the front lines. I feel like that every, I'm getting to that age where every new parents, I'm like, I just look at them and I'm like, oh, you're so sweet and I'm so sorry it's so hard. You know, your role shifts where you're, I'm not on the front lines of staying up all night with a colicky baby anymore. But I know what that's like. And it's a healing presence to just be with them and be like, it's okay. And you know what's such a gift to people who are in that state is not saying, have you tried this? Have you tried this? Have you done this? Have you done that? What about this? What if you did this better? It adds, doesn't it? adds more weight, adds more discouragement. But those who can sit and just go, I'm with you, I know it's hard. It's going to be okay. That's a healing presence, isn't it? And that's what we need in the church. People who aren't offering solutions because the front lines are different for every generation. But Jesus is the same. And we're holding to that. So the vision of Christ's church is growth in Christ. Into the way of Jesus, from the way of Jesus, and for the way of Jesus. So our invitation to you today is, come with us. Let's do this together. Be all about Jesus. And in this next year ahead, let's grow deeper into Him. Deeper in our discipleship our confidence and our trust. Amen? Let's turn our hearts to the table where we will be reunited with